the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, it's a great pleasure to welcome back on a Monday uh, to talk about the changing face of Irish families. The And today, specifically in relation to motherhood and fatherhood roles, Stephanie Regan, our clinical psychotherapist, is here. OK, let's get straight into it. What are the top line big changes for Irish families? Are we talking over 20 years? I suppose I'm thinking 50 years for uh, for the reasons, Ivan, that big things changed, I suppose, in the with the marriage bar lifting in 1983. An awful lot of people who are grandparents now probably and uh, perhaps older parents um, will remember that and significantly it was when women could work outside the home after marriage. And uh, it seems, you know, like when you think of it that isn't that long ago and uh, I think just think there's been so many changes that have affected us in that period of time you know from the time when when mothers were at home you know doing the washing using all the you know doing all the hard labor if you like and fathers were out that door and we saw it you know we see those classical ads on the TV you know and the man comes in and all of that it's not a million years ago and I suppose that's always very much in the backdrop of my mind and how much we have changed now not only can women go to work women generally go to work I mean you mentioned there um, earlier about even the the imperative of the economics of it I haven't particularly laboured on that, but we know that the economics of it drives both people to work, to hit all, you know, to deal with all the the, the costs of mortgages and to live a, a decent life. So, so there's those kinds of imperatives. The whole freedom, of course, of contraception has meant that families no longer have the large numbers that they used to. I'm one of thirteen. You don't meet many like that anymore. And uh, the average age per family now is 1.38. Now, I know uh, people think it's over, you know, two and three, but on average, it's 1.38. And our, actually, our family size has been declining and uh, quite a bit over these last number of years, but it has now s- ceased, if you like, to continue to decline. It's just sort of leveling, it's leveling out. off. Right. Just leveling off. The other, the other, of course, then we have the abortion laws that, that came in last year in 2018. And again, that has changed, I suppose, our whole view of family. And um, there's a little bit of a, an impact there. I think we are recognising a lot more about it, people's individual kind of way of forging their life, controlling their life, establishing their family when they're ready. There's all sorts of other questions. So controlling that. fertility. Yes, exactly. Huge liberation for women and a huge change in how the family got constructed. I suppose that's today. I'm just really looking at it Mm. that way. Um, And now what have we got? We've got average ages for women of 33 and guys getting married on average 35. Huge difference with the fertility issue you mentioned. I mean, the delayed, that has all sorts of consequences as well on fertility. But that doesn't matter. The reality is people are getting married now more like 33 and 35 considerably different. You've got mature people coming in who've already probably been working very strongly and who are looking at family in a particular way. And of course, the other the other big factor is that we do have, have it all enshrined into our constitution. So we know that's going to be looked at too, where, you know, the woman's role in the home and all of that has been determined by the constitution that she will be supported and all of that. And that's all correct. All okay. of that is right. But these are things that have in many ways formed the kind of structures that we used to have and how things are now changing. 
All right. Now we have a quite a different setup. Yes. Okay. Well, we sent our out our reporter to ask people how they think Irish families have changed. I just say they're smaller. Like if I look back at like my grandparents' families, they definitely had much larger families. Um, but now it's averaged around two to three, I'd say, children. Well, I suppose with divorce coming in, they've changed a, an awful lot. I'm divorced myself, so families are kind of separate now, I suppose. And I think because the church's involvement is less in Ireland as well, that's changed how we view the world. I think there's a lot more pressure on the parents, uh, particularly given house prices, and mortgage rates and all the rest of that. So to get any kind of property, both parents need to work which puts a lot of pressure on um, the mum and dad. And then equally, I think the expectations of the kids are higher because the parents are probably missing through work, etc. You know, what we find out, mealtimes, everyone's doing their own thing. There isn't one saucepan for everybody. It's everybody doing their own thing. You never sit down together. Everybody's sitting, like we might sit down together, you know, the two of us, but then they're all coming in doing their own cooking and they go off into the television room and sit in front of the television. I come from like a family where I was like just divorced parents and everything and all like, and at the start, even when that was happening because I was so much younger, it was very wary and all, but as you grow up and you see, it's so much more acceptable now and it's so much more like it's not like a taboo or like from Irish families or anything. All right, very, very, very interesting views there. I, it, it, there's, I see, because I'm now 60, I can look back at things and say, right, okay, mm. I, first of all, I hear all of what you're saying and I yes. totally agree with these societal changes. But I just wonder when I see 2.3 million people at work and maybe more than a million of those are now women. Women, in a lot of cases, are the highest earner, that they, they may have the more secure job, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. It's all to service an economy. You know, where has society gone where the family was at the centre of society, where parenting was really, and motherhood was really valued as the most important Mm. thing when you're on your deathbed you did in your life. Now, it seems we've all got to service this, uh, you know, engine that is GDP. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. It's not the way I would I would look at it, I have to say, because I think that, yes, of course, there's a servicing of the economy. I accept that factor, you know, that you're saying people are out there for that, you know, for those reasons. But they're also out there, women are out there also to, you know, uh, be happy in themselves, to... Um, be fulfilled. To be fulfilled, to develop themselves to their fullest potential. And that's what we've all been taught. And I think, you know, there are there are challenges to it, but there are pluses. And well, no, well, I'm asking you as a woman. Yes. Do you think there are a lot of women who are impossibly juggling work and motherhood with two or three small children and actually they'd be happier just taken a couple of years out of the workforce and they just can't? Yes, well, of well, no, What's your honest opinion yes, my of honest, that? My honest or are opinion. you saying they'd love to get away from the squawkers? No, but there are... The thing is, you see, I mean, this is the whole point, if I may say, just if we can... Okay, just answer that first. I think that some people need to be at home because they are not, they really want to be there and it's very hard for them to be out at work. But there's also a lot of women who go, you know, the other way around who really are better at work. They're much better at work because they're not instinctively comfortable at home in the whole mothering task. You know, it doesn't suit them. They don't like it. They don't feel they can keep their sanity together, their well-being together. 
being at home, you see things have changed so much. You think you think you're talking about there um, how it was years ago yeah. and how it is now. There is this idealised sense that first of all that motherhood is all you know a, a fabulous sort of place to be and it's all gorgeous and it's all lovey dovey and you're all cocooned oh, it's hard up. It's twenty four seven. It's extremely hard work. It's very hard on the stress levels. Very hard on you're in a whole new terrain. Uh, you've all sorts of internalised idealisations of how it should be. And when you talk there about the impossible situation, I think one of the big problems that face women is that they find themselves with this older internalised version of how to succeed as a mother and how to be a great mum. And also this also this conflicting internalised how to be a fantastically successful woman in business or in your career or whatever. And these are impossible conflicts. They are very difficult. There's a lot of good writing on those, um, uh, particularly in the US in the last sort of just this year, they brought out some very good research and they, they could show that women really did feel this impossible sense of conflict about being the super mom and the super worker and that they found themselves sort of always blaming themselves like others can do it but I can't do it if I got up earlier if I was more organised you know so a lot of kind of self-blaming going on whereas in some way what you're saying is there's a kind of an impossibility to the Absolute. whole thing Like I see people and they're in top jobs big responsibilities like any worker yep. and come a Friday night they're not saying oh alright it's downtime now they've got a think about meals for the next yes. 48 hours they've got to think about meals prepared Sport, they've got to da-da. think about you know bringing them to the soccer club bringing yep. them to the GAA club they've got to think about laundry they've got yes. to think about everything and I feel so sorry for them because they're actually doing two full time jobs yes. yes and I have to say I do meet people parents in therapy I have to say who come and they are depressed at the end by of their the, by depressed and uh, yeah, feeling they're in the swing swung of roundabout work. It's just go to work, and make the money. And has the economy forced them to do that? Because well, they lose their place on the career ladder, you see. This is part of well, the difficulty. Well, a lot of jobs, I mean, we have a lot of progress in that. I mean, there is a lot more on the leave and all of that. But I think what we don't recognise, I, I genuinely think that we don't recognise that that parenting looks like it's got simpler, but it hasn't actually. It's got harder. I think it's got harder because there's... Mothers and fathers, the expectations for what they should be delivering for their children is much higher. There's much more comparison going on. Talk to me about on. between me rearing and dear to rearing kids 25 years ago mm. and today. What are the expectations or the differences? Do they have to bring them to Pilates now or what? Almost. Almost. I think that I think that parents now are much the, the what we would say the, the parenting is much more intensive. There's much more time with the children than there used to be. Um Do you think? Yes. I don't. Do they really read a bedtime story? Here, go yes, on your smartphone. Do. Yes, they do, go but look at the D V D. But I think reading the bedtime stories is, is an easy part. I think the intensive part is that that they feel an obligation to do all of these things because the whole norm for parenting has changed. People, people work on the social life of their children. They make sure that they have play dates, that they have sleepovers. They make sure they're in a group. They do all of this. Whereas years ago, you went out the front door, you got a ball and you kicked it around. Yeah. You played cowboys and Indians or you yeah. played something. And, and dolls, yourself. dolls and you entertained yourself. Now, because I suppose, again, we're, we're, we're very tuned up on and the fears and the dangers. Where does this pressure come from to be mother of the year? I think it comes from, I think it, well, people people who go out there, I suppose, shouting about their extraordinary sort of um, 
abilities with motherhood can put pressure on other mothers. You know, there's a lot of talk about people coming out, they've just had their baby and then they're out in their bikini showing how fabulous they are. That's pressure because the reality is it's a whole big mess when you have a child. It all take it can take you yeah, two absolutely. weeks to get out of your pajamas. And they're the realities. And you need somebody to moderate that. Instagram, all these things, they don't help. But that's not the only reason. It is that things have changed. We know more about mothering and I think mothers know and fathers know. They know all the milestones. So they're watching them. They have all sorts of little apps on their phone to tell them they should be saying three words. They should be saying five words. It was a little bit of hit and miss. You know, we waited for... We, we weren't sort of monitoring ourselves and judging ourselves against anything anything more than the public health nurse, if you know right. what I mean. Yeah, who would absolutely. come and say, listen, you're on track here. You're doing a lovely job and you'd be thrilled with yourself and off you'd go. But now they're looking and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I, maybe I'm not spending enough time or my girl is out of the group. I mean, this is a whole Are other thing. Are they putting thing. their kids in cotton wool? You know what I mean? Well, but what about if they do get a few bangs and scrapes and just things up to divilment and so on? Mm. Are they too pampered? And maybe, well, maybe they're, they, you know, we're, we're rearing people as young adults now who aren't able for the real world. Well, I suppose there's two things. You're talk, When you talk about that, I, I'm thinking of children who are much older. If we can just go back to yeah. the to the mothering, because when we talk about mothering, we always think it's, you know, we've always ta- thought of it as a gender-based kind of thing. Of course, the mother has the child. Okay. But in reality... And the breastfeeding um, is a bit of an issue. Yes, okay, that's a gender-connected thing, for sure. But mostly now, what has, even in psychological terms, we understand that the mothering tasks, the mothering tasks can be broken down. It's not about the mother, it's about the caregiver. It's about who... So it's not gender-specific. Right. As long as a child has somebody to attach to, you know, to form the proper yeah. attachment, to to form the proper bond, to fi- to be nurtured, nourished minded, secure and safe. That is the caregiver's task. So that task. brings us on to fatherhood. Correct. Which has been transformed. And I have to say, yeah, in a positive in way. In a fab way. In, in, yep. and, uh, like dads of today are so much better than I in my age. Yeah. Oh, oh, unbelievable. That's right. Hands like on. I just did not want to know. Yeah. And why did you not want to know? Because I was busy. To, you were busy, but also you'd got the you'd got the template that that's the way it goes. You know, we we follow what is before us in many ways. And young men now, I mean, you see it. Young fathers, oh, incredible. They are fabulous, and they have found the joy of the doing of it. You know, of being involved, and they're also involved in the mothering tasks. And that's really what nappies, I'm saying. They're really good at nappies. They're good now. at nappies. Walking they're good at, and and also and in the so, middle of the night and nursing them and doing all the that. whole shebang. They do all of that and they do it as well I mean the expectations are there it's not just about the fact that it's all equal it's also about I think that they are motivated to do it do they and enjoy they it do you think damn good at it do you, no, no I agree, agree yeah. with that but do you think they enjoy it yes I think they do enjoy it but they'd not rather be down the pub you know what well, I mean? Like. Well, I mean, the mother might like to be in the pub too, but, you know, I mean, it's like saying, but I prefer to be out playing tennis. I think when it's that time of your life, you know, it's an extraordinarily, that beginning, it's an extraordinarily lovely time mm. and the joy is there, this new new little person in, in your life. And I think fathers really get it. And the other thing, that, so I, I know I'm slightly trying to deconstruct the thing of the fathers, yeah, no, mothers, yeah. because because I think it's really important, especially as we go on and talk about gay parents and about um, lone parents. I think we need to look at what a what the mothering roles are and what the fathering roles are, because it's not about which gender you are. It's about what you're doing in the home. So are there many stay at home dads in Ireland? 
Yes, you know, full time dads the way we would have described full time mothers. Well, I suppose they're they're sort of assessed, and uh, you know, we we look for them if you like within the the figures of the one parent families, and they say roughly two hundred and twenty thousand of those in the country. And 189,000 of them are mother alone and 29,000 father alone. Right? Okay. That's quite a lot of guys. Yeah. 30,000. Um, and there are, of course, then within that other larger figure, the 189,000, there are 50,000 who are widowed, right? In yeah. this separated, in this, this sort of, and separated and divorced. So there's, there's quite a, um, a breakdown in that. It sounds like a lot when you say 220,000 one parent families, but that also comprises those who are separated and, and divorced. Is there, is there any sort of uh, latent past tense stigma about, you know, the man being the hunter gatherer as opposed yeah. to the man being a house husband. Is there a stigma about that? Like when, when the dad is dropping the kids to, you know, mm. junior infants, are the mothers all looking and saying like, what a, what, what you know, what use is he? I think that has gone. Uh, I have to say, I think that it, maybe shifting is the word. Maybe shifting is the word. But it's about, I mean, there's just like for women, men have an internalized template for what they think a man should be. And so there's an adjustment there, too, for sure. And that's what you're referring to there. And do they feel comfortable doing what they're doing? A lot of the guys who make that choice and a lot of couples who make that choice where she goes out to do the work and he stays at home to look after the children and do the home work, if you like, because we know it's real work when yeah, you're at yeah. home. And well, it's uh, incessant. Yes, I think they are the the new age couples who can manage it. It's quite a it's quite a different thing, I suppose, if you just can't get a job. You know, if you're unemployed, if you've been or if you're part time, stepped in, or, or you're part time, yeah. or yes. So uh, you know, it depends from what basis the choice is made. I mean, no more than a mother being home, it is important that you want to be there. But not only goes the issue of parenting, but the issue of cooking comes into it. Yeah, like the same person needs to be a good cook. I think what men bring to it, if I may say, I mean, it's a bit like what they bring to all sorts of aspects of children's lives is they're very pragmatic. You know, they can be more pragmatic. They will go home, sort out washing. They'll do, you know, they have more physical energy, some, you know, so they can bring that to play in the home. That's that's very, very useful. Then you have the issue of men and what they contribute to play. They are so much, you know, they bring in risk and development much more into children's play. So they are a very they, they bring something quite unique. They are the fathering skills and the fathering, if you like, advantages. Okay, and, now I, I want to okay. make it clear because this is a, s- a series to run over several weeks. Yes. The whole issue of lone parents, the whole issue yes. of LGBT and blended families and divorcees and, and yes, all, it's second all going time to be dealt with are going to be dealt with And separately. couples without but, children. But, but basically, say if someone, a couple are listening to this and they're about to have their first child yeah. and they're wondering how they'll divvy up these tasks. In this modern realm, what's your advice? Right. In the modern realm, in the modern realm it is really about, uh, I suppose, recognising that you can share these tasks perfectly. And really, you, the, if you do the, the mothering tasks, i.e. the, you know, be it the breastfeeding and all of that, in the very beginning, that initial phase, that I mean, the male role is really to support and really help her to do that. But it's not always the case, as we know uh, in the other programmes we will talk about, it's not always the case that it is the mother doing that bonding. Therefore, it can be moved along to somebody else. You're talking about this couple. I would just say that his job is to really support her in doing those tasks. That's the best thing any guy can do in that first two weeks, four weeks. And also things come along like postnatal depression, 
mastitis and different things that you can have the best laid plans and everything is just thrown in the air. It's not like what you thought. Well, it's it's it'll never be like what you thought, and as you know, and you know, a, as you know, it can absolutely affect a woman in a very different way. So you never know how you're going to be, and you never know how that child is going to be. So good luck. All right. Well, that kicks off our uh, series, the changing face of family uh, in Ireland, a modern Ireland, and today we we tried to focus on the impacts of motherhood and fatherhood in their defined roles, which is clearly changing. My thanks, as always, to Stephanie. Regan, clinical psychotherapist and that's it from the show this evening my thanks to the entire team Mark Simpson, Ashling Moore, Dan Flanagan, Roisin Davis and Alex Russo Michael Quilligan and Peter Malloy are on sound, Off the Ball is up next I'm starting back on the telly tomorrow night but we'll be here of course tomorrow at 4 o'clock for another edition of The Hard Shoulder, until the next time a very good night and thanks for listening (laughs) 